Well, I have a video for you. I want you to watch this for a second before I begin. day that everything changed. Let me say again, happy birthday, church. Every one of you, whether you are in this room or worshiping online, if you have surrendered to your, your life to Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of his family, and he has given you his spirit to work in you, to lead you, guide you, to convict you, to comfort you, to help, and for you to give you power to help others. It's a great day. It's, uh, it's a day, uh, there's other days, of course, in the life of the church that I love, but I love Pentecost Sunday. I love what um, we are celebrating in Pentecost Sunday. And I should have, um, I put out you know, in the bulletin, in the newsletter, and uh, even online uh, with our social media to where read today, um, I probably should have added. It would have been a great day. Every, every Sunday is a great day to bring your Bibles if you have them. Um, but it would have been a great day because as you see on the back of the bulletin, as you will see as we move along this morning, there's quite a bit of Scripture um, that I want to share this morning because I want us to again remember and have an understanding of what this day means and what, it, what all took place prior to and leading up to Pentecost Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to start this morning in Acts 2, uh, but leave them open because we're going to, to move around this morning in God's Word. Verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fire distributing themselves. 
as they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in their own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Paphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya, around Siren, and, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking, listen to what Luke says, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that you remember the day of Pentecost. If you have grown up in the church, you know what the day of Pentecost is. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit. But this was not the first Pentecost because the Jews celebrated the feast of Pentecost. In fact, there were three great feasts, as you will see on the screen, there are three great feasts of the Jews, Passover, usually or always in the spring, and uh, celebrating Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And then immediately following uh, Passover was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or that that was called the Feast of Weeks, and it was termed as Pentecost, which occurred 50 days after the Passover. And then the last of the three great feasts was the Feast of Tabernacles that was in the fall, and it was where the Israelites, the Jews, would look forward to what was to come and their coming salvation. And so in the Feast of Weeks or this Feast of uh, Passover that was celebrated, uh, they would give of the first fruits back and it was no coincidence, no uh, accident that, that God chose and had this as his perfect plan for the coming of the Holy Spirit 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Spirit was poured out on the world. 
So I want us to look back just for a moment prior to this day that, as I said, changed everything. And first, we need to realize that the Holy Spirit was not created at Pentecost, and we know that. We know from Genesis 1 that um, chapter 1 in verse 2 and 26, the earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then listen to what Moses records. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface, surface of the waters. If you go to verse 26, you see that it says, Then God said, Let us, the triune God, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so the triune God was present at creation, present at creation. And during the story that we have as the Old Testament prophecy and the story of the Israelites as they related to God, God came alongside of them. God gave them power through his spirit. He gave them power to prophesy. He gave them power to heal. He gave them power to preach. He gave them the word through his spirit. But there was no permanent indwelling Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come alongside, would gird up, and then would leave. The Holy Spirit was not the indwelling Holy Spirit as we have following Pentecost. And then as you come along in the scriptures and you get to Joel and Lori this morning read those verses from 28 and verse 29, this promise of the Holy Spirit that the young and the old, that the males and the females would have the indwelling spirit, this spirit would come and they would be able to prophesy and this is the spirit that would be given. And then we go into the New Testament and we, we see in Matthew where that there's Jesus after he is born and after he has been raised. And at 30, he, he comes to John in the, at the river and he is there to be baptized. And Matthew accounts for us that as he is coming up out of the water from John's baptizing Jesus, that there is the Spirit of God, as Matthew records, that is descending in the likeness of a dove and rests on Jesus. And then the words of God from heaven, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This wonderful, beautiful picture of the triune God, even at Jesus' baptism, Jesus, the Son, God, the Father, speaking, the Holy Spirit descending, all three present as Jesus begins his ministry on earth. What a beautiful picture. And then we come to John 14, and we read these verses in this farewell discourse of the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to his disciples, that he gives to us. And he says to them, look, unless I depart from you, 
I can't send my spirit. My spirit is not going to come. As long as I'm with you, actually, the spirit is with you because I'm with you. But if I depart, the Father will send the spirit. And the spirit will not only come to be with you, but my spirit will dwell in you. These words he says, So it is good for me to go, so that you will receive the Spirit, and I will be with you, and you will be with me, and I will be in you. How cool is that? How cool is it that the very Spirit of God dwells in us? I said earlier, I think the, the church, I think believers today, Christians today, take that so lightly that the very Spirit of God is dwelling in us. Almighty God, the creator of all things, the creator of the universe, lives in me. Wow. How did I deserve that gift? The truth is I didn't. I didn't deserve that gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not a gift. It is the gift. It is the gift from God. And this is a day that changed everything. But you're probably thinking, Marty, that title just seems to be out of place because what about the crucifixion? What about the resurrection? Isn't that the day that everything changed for the world? Absolutely it was. That day, Jesus, in his crucifixion, and three days later in his resurrection, changed everything for all who would believe. But on Pentecost, a day that changed everything for the believer, you see at the crucifixion and the resurrection, this is the plan of salvation. This is the redemption that's carried out through Jesus. And for all the world who will believe, they are saved from their sins, reconciled to the Father through Jesus the Christ. But at Pentecost, this is a believer's day. This is a day that the believers gathered in the upper room. This is a day that the Holy Spirit was given to us, to us. So Jesus, after his resurrection, he is 40 days on the earth. He is 40 days with the disciples. He is 40 days with the believers. The scripture tells us that he appeared to as many as 500 during those 40 days following the resurrection and the time that he gathers the believers, his followers, the disciples on the mountain for his ascension. And Luke gives us that account and it's important for us, I think, to hear again. Luke says in the first chapter, 
the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day which he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking with the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time that you will restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epochs of which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus doesn't say, you might receive my Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, some of you will receive my Holy Spirit and others won't. What he tells them is, you all will receive my Holy Spirit. All who believe, you will receive and you will be my witnesses. And you could just add to all the world. Everywhere, every place, every neighborhood, every house, every family, every friend, every tribe, every tongue, every color, you will be my witnesses. And Luke tells us as Jesus is saying this, as Jesus is reminding them what he has said, what he has told them, that they will receive this power, that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, that Jesus is lifted up in a cloud and he is taken away from their sight. And then there are two angels in dazzling clothes that appear next to them. So Jesus has ascended and there are now angels. And I will tell you that if I'd have been one of those guys, they would have seen my backside because I'd have been running. I mean, you think about this. Jesus has just been some miraculous thing. And, you know, Peter, James, and John especially, I mean, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and so they had seen some of this. But even the rest of the disciples had seen the power of Jesus displayed as he was teaching during those three years. But here Jesus is lifted up in a cloud and he disappears. And all of a sudden, just standing beside me are two men in dazzling clothes. You don't think I'd have turned and run? 
I guess Peter looked at John and said, well, look, there's two angels here. Wonder what Jesus is going to tell us now. I mean, it's like, okay. And, of course, we, we know that, that they did tell them. They told them. After these things, they were, he was lifted up in the clouds, and as they were gazing intentionally or intently in the, in the sky as he was going away, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And I want you to hear verse 11. Because you see, verse 11 is a verse that we should get hope from. It's a verse that we ought to remember. It's, It's a verse that just should be our assurance of what Jesus has promised. And here's what the angels of the Lord said. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Hey guys, guess what? Jesus is coming back. Just as you saw him go, he's going to come. Jesus has been telling them that he's going to come again if If you have any doubt of what Paul and Peter and John wrote in the New Testament about the second coming of Jesus, the second coming of the Christ, just look at what God does at the ascension of Jesus through two angels, his messengers, and they're standing there with the disciples, and they say, wait a minute, why are you gazing up? Jesus is coming back. Go do what he told you to do. And what did he tell them to do? He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And they waited in the upper room. We have no idea if this is the same upper room where they gathered for the Passover meal. Likely it is. Most scholars believe this is the same room. But think about this. At the Passover meal, it was Jesus and his disciples. At the day of Pentecost, there were 120 in the room. It's a pretty good-sized room for 120 people. Most feel like probably the same room as these 120 gathered and they waited. And Luke doesn't tell us that they waited and complained because all of a sudden... Things did not go as they thought. They waited for what the Lord had told them would happen. They prayed together. And they waited. They prayed. And they waited. And then... On the day of Pentecost, the third hour of the day came. Isn't it wonderful how Jesus uses or God uses numbers? We, we saw Jesus on the earth for 40 days after um, his resurrection. 40 is a great number in scripture. Uh, he was um, um, 
Three days in the tomb, three is a great number. And here we have three again, uh, reminding us of the triune God. At three, the third hour of the day, which is nine o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, they heard a noise. And this was a rushing wind, a, a noise that filled the whole place, not just the house, but this whole area. As I wanted to show that, that video because the music behind it, uh, to me, as I, I listened to that the first time, was startling. As I, I saw the wind blowing, uh, it reminded me of being in wind. We, we can't see God. We can't see him physically yet, but we hear this wind. We see literally the, the breath of God blowing through this place. If any of you, and, and I have several times, any of you that have been a part of a hurricane that has been blowing through or a string storm that has high winds, if you've ever been out on the, in the wind, you can't necessarily see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see the wind outside now blowing the trees, blowing the leaves. We see the effect of it. We can actually feel the wind. And so these are gathered in the upper room, and they, they feel this wind. They feel this presence. They hear this noise, and the place is filled with the Spirit of God, Luke tells us. So much so that there are tongues like fire that descend and rest on them. And they are given the opportunity, they are given the ability to be able to speak in other languages so that others could hear them. There are those that thought they were drunk. And Peter says, come on, give me a break. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Who's drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning? Just give me a break. Nobody's been drinking. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this day, everything is changed. Their lives are changed. They are no longer behind locked doors, fearful for their lives. Uh, they are no longer afraid to give a witness of who Jesus is. They are no longer afraid to stand up for the gospel. Peter and John were beaten. They were told never to speak Jesus' name or to witness to Jesus. Nope. Can't do that. They were ready to proclaim. The church was born the movement forward was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, and it didn't stop that day. As you look at Luke and as you see how God has, through his scriptures, given us an understanding of, of what is taking place and how the Spirit is moving, it should cause us pause to see if we are living into or tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached that day and and 3,000 were filled with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say they came to faith. If we continue on and we get to chapter 4 of, of Luke's gospel, and so Peter and 
John have been beaten and they've been told not to speak and and now Peter preaches again and Acts 4 tells us that 5,000 now come to faith in Jesus Christ and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And and my math, uh, I know I went to Godway Elementary, but I think 5,000 and 3,000 is 8,000. And so far now, 8,000 through Peter's preaching have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it didn't stop there. They began to break bread together. They began to come together in prayer. They began to worship together. They began to share their resources to meet the needs of others. The Holy Spirit caused them and called them to meet the needs of the widows, of the elderly, of the sick. But most of all, what we see in the early church as the early church began to progress is this message of the gospel, that they were willing even to the point of death, and many of them, including the disciples, experienced persecution to the point of death. We look at Acts 8 and we see that Stephen was persecuted. Stephen was stoned. Saul is present, did nothing about it, even would condone it. Saul, who would become Paul, change his name, ravaged the church. He put people in prison. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, and God interrupted him. Luke tells us that Philip was traveling and came across an Ethiopian eunuch and and heard him reading the scriptures and began to help him to understand and This particular man came to faith in Christ. Philip baptized him, and the man went on to Africa. And we've got to believe that he continued to share the good news of who Christ was in his home, in his town, in his area in Africa. When when Saul was knocked off his mount and blinded and, and sent on to Damascus, As Ananias was called to come to him and touch him and remove the scales from his eyes, Paul, Saul, he believed. He believed and Ananias baptized him. And from that point forward, this man, Paul, spread the world, spread through the world, at least the known world at that time, the name of Jesus. Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is in action. The Holy Spirit is giving power to those who are preaching and teaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit that now is indwelling in them. And we come to the 10th chapter of Acts. And Luke gives us an understanding as what's going on with the Gentiles. There's been some visions, and I would encourage you to go back and and read Acts 10 in its entirety. But I just want to read a few verses at the end. 
In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter, that's the Jews, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for a few days longer. This has been termed the Pentecost or the coming of the Holy Spirit for the Gentiles. Uh, we, in, the, in the upper room that day, most likely those 120 were, were Jews that the Holy Spirit were poured out on. And, and as this story unfolds, as they began to spread the gospel, God is working. And in chapter 11, as Luke records, Peter has been called to Cornelius' house, and it is here that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentiles. And we know the rest of the story as Paul continued his work, as he would go into the, the cities on his missionary journeys with Barnabas and John Mark and with Silas. And as he would go in, he would go to the synagogue to preach and they would dismiss him and he would go out and he would preach to the Gentiles and the Gentiles were coming to faith. They were surrendering their life to Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit was coming. Do you see what is happening? The word of God is being shared and people are coming to faith because the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost and gave power, gave the words, gave the conviction to go and share the name of Christ, even at all cost. Pentecost, that day, changed everything. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oswald Chambers states, it's not power as a gift from the Holy Spirit. The power is the Holy Spirit. And then he says, the life that was in Jesus becomes ours because of his cross. Folks, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have an endless supply of power. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he will comfort us in times of trouble and sickness of heartache. The power of the Holy Spirit living in me and in you guides us as we submit to the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. We have the power available today, just as it was in that day. And because everything changed that day, every believer receives this power. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we too are called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. 
It is not an option. If you have a voice, it's your responsibility. You have been called to share the good news. If you have the interaction with others, you have the responsibility to share the good news. So let me tell you this story in closing. Yesterday, a week ago, I mentioned we were celebrating Emma's graduation. She had graduated on Friday night, and Emma had created a list of of people that she wanted to invite uh, to be a part of this this party. And and I don't know, there was in excess of 75, 80, 100, somebody, uh, there was some number there. Um, But it was a a good turnout, and she was uh, blessed by everyone that was able to come. Um, One of the families that Emma invited was the Hutchins. Um, Ryan and Aaron have been her youth leaders uh, over these years that she's been um, in in the youth program here at Hope Church. And uh, Caroline was not able to come but Charlotte was there with Ryan and Aaron. And so I had gone around and I had tried to greet everyone that I could, um, you know, just to welcome them and talk to them and and everything. And so uh, I was sitting on the side of the deck uh, in our backyard, and Charlotte comes and and sits down beside me. And, And Charlotte and I are having a conversation. And so in the conversation... Charlotte looks at me and says, Pastor Marty, guess what? I invited my friend to church. My friend doesn't have a church. She doesn't go to a church. And I told her about the things that we have going on this summer and that if she's afraid, she can come on Friday night with me. And she looked at me and and she said, Pastor Marty, my friend doesn't have a church. This is a nine-year-old, folks. A nine-year-old that is inviting her friend that doesn't have a church to come to church with her. To come where I believe Charlotte knows that her friend to be welcomed and maybe just meet Jesus here. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is moving. Are we holding our hands up and saying, wait? When the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in you and dwelt in me, it changed our lives. It should have. The very fullness of, the, of the, the life of God came and indwelled in us, invaded us. It penetrated every part of our body. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit doesn't have access to of me or shouldn't. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was an answer to the Lord's prayer when he prayed in John 17. He prayed that we would be one as with him as he was one with the Father. Jesus prayed for unity. That Christ, Christ as he prayed 
it was fulfilled on that day of Pentecost that we would be one with him and one with each other. That prayer was answered. We became immersed. We became drowned in the Holy Spirit. He is a part of all that we are. We became one with each other, this living organism called the church, his bride of Christ. All believers are baptized into the Holy Spirit. And we are in union with him. And we should let the Holy Spirit have reign over our life. So that his power is unleashed. And that everything in our life is changed from what the world would call us to. I pray it be so. Because church, if we live into the power of the Holy Spirit. If we listen to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's absolutely nothing that we can do and not do in the name of Jesus Christ because he is leading us and guiding us for his purpose and his will so that he will be glorified. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the gathered body. I know that churches are gathering in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state and around the world today, celebrating the day of Pentecost, celebrating that you gave, fulfilled the promise that your Holy Spirit would come and indwell and live, abode with us. Father, thank you for your promise. And I thank you that your Spirit dwells in every believer true believer that has surrendered their life to you. I pray, Father, that we won't try to go it alone, that we would live into the power that is inside of us, your power. Father, that we would listen to your voice as a church, as individuals. Father, all that you have called us to, all that your purpose and will has for us, as Hope Church, we would live into. Father, we would ask that you would enrich us, that you would enlarge us. We pray, Father, that you would use us in every way. Let us surrender, Father, to the power of your Spirit in all things and always, and forever giving thanks in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.